0: What's up, pod people? Welcome back to another episode of Cinema de More. I am your hostess today, Lexi. I've got with me two co-hosts. Two co-hosts, yeah. Justin and Chuck. Tonight we are going to be talking about Harmony Corrin. This was my director pick, so they made me open the episode and start the episode today. You make it sound as if it's against your will. (laughs) I mean, I wasn't anticipating it, but I'm okay with it. (laughs) you think I, after hosting for two years, I'd be a little bit with it, but a little rusty. I feel rusty every episode that I start. That's fair. So I have, as I said before, unusual tastes. And Harmony Corwin was a director that anytime I've ever had an opportunity to talk about them, I will. But I never get opportunities to talk about them because they're just an unusual director who doesn't really make a lot of things that people know they're not. I would not say that Harmony Korine is a well-known director, unless you're, like, a film person or person who is interested in art outside the box or outside the realm of what is normal film. He's pretty avant-garde. I think, though, the thing is, is that when I saw the choices that you guys made, I was like, fuck. Because, like, you picked good movies. Like, there's nothing that you picked that's bad. But... When you look at his early work where we watched, our first film that we watched was Julian Donkey Boy, that's Harmony Quarren that I look for. That's the kind of Quarren that I think of as this disjointed, bizarre stories that are set in reality and usually focused on like slice of life things. But like instead of being positive, it's always like the negative slice of life kind of stuff. It's an unusual take on it.
1: I don't really know how uh, to digest this film, to be honest. <laughs> Warner Herzog in it is fantastic in every oh moment God. that he's in it. Yeah. Beyond that, though, I'm like, I'm confused by a lot of the choices, but I felt that there were a lot of good like slice of life moments throughout this movie, which I'll get into that were really good that I haven't seen. Uh, they felt very genuine, so I feel like he probably just had the camera rolling. Uh, it doesn't really seem like it was something that was rehearsed. A lot of it just seems like it was something that came out in that moment.
0: Right. Well, I don't know if you remember when when we were on the last episode when we talked. The reason I got so into him was because this is a director who like showed me a side of film I'd never seen done before. That's one of the things that's really interesting about him is how capable he is at capturing these moments that just feel like a day in the life, as opposed to feeling like a film that has a start or a finish. Like there's no real conclusion. You just kind of come in and and watch like a two hour period of these people's existence. And then you just kind of go away. I mean, I know he didn't necessarily direct kids, but he wrote kids and he came from his origin is that the movie for people listening. Yeah. His background, like he grew up, like we said before, he grew up with, um, spike Jones And they came from that 90s skate community, which the 90s... Early skate community was like a very dirty, very underground kind of scene to be a part of. There was a lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol, a lot of like risk taking because to get the best shots, the best photographs to like stand out amongst the skaters, there was a lot of like physical risk involved in order to stand out amongst the skaters. When you're partying, you had to push yourselves harder and whatever. So that that kind of like boundary pushing, filthy, raw, dirty skate culture, bunch of kids acting like adults even though they're like 12 and 13 years old some of them that comes across in like every work that he does and it's really influential on him and spike jones you can see in both of their works where they grew up in those communities but i feel like corin took something different from it it feels repulsive but actually i think it's just very real and raw like when you watch gummo gummo is a film just about like a small town in middle america full of white trash people and it's like it's not like a wrong portrayal. It's just kind of like not what you're anticipating and not expecting. And so it's just there's not really anything bad that necessarily comes out of these films either. I mean, yes and no. They, that's that's a lie. I lied on that one. There's always some sort of negative outcome on these. Kids ends with AIDS. This one ends with like, I don't even know what, you know. The
1: whole plot of
0: kids is AIDS. They're like yeah.
1: We got to find them before he spreads more AIDS. Right.
0: <laughs> I feel like his movies have some of the most memorable lines, though.
2: I, I think my favorite was uh, Werner Herzog. It's $10. That's good money. That's how much a man in Bangladesh would make. <laughs> he could feed his whole family for $10. That's good money when he just keeps trying to give I'm it not putting son. that dress on. Yeah. That was, that, that, I
1: didn't I did I really enjoy that line. I want you to put it online. on. You look just like your mother.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, I, and I, uh, look what yeah. I have. I have $10 you're right. right here Yeah, Werner, Werner Herzog was maybe the... That was definitely the most surprising thing when I started watching this movie. Is, uh, everyone else, I was like, okay, I get it. And then I was like, how the hell did he get Werner Herzog to be in this film? And just like, how did he how did he get him to do that? Like, I feel like it was that scene where he was
1: talking about the types of movies and he doesn't want things to be super artsy. He wants them to be real. And I feel like that has to be how he hooked him into this I, movie.
0: <laughs> I was what? like, I was under the impression it was just like, you know, uh, Harmony Corn called up Warner one day and he's like, Hello, Werner Herzog. I'm making an independent art film and I was wondering if you would be interested in being in it. And Warner's like, Say no more. I will be there to help you i know he he
1: was in the mandalorian without watching any star wars he's
0: like art is important and film is important and i must help all filmmakers succeed in their lives and therefore i will be in your movie because it is film and i am the most important part of film by helping all the people to make their films (laughs) don't
1: take if you're hypersensitive and then Uh, he's uh, like that really long take where he's (laughs) like am i hypersensitive yeah (laughs) yeah
2: Am I sensitive? The, uh, I, yeah, I wondered if he was, like, connected, because I know, like, this starts off that it's, uh, it's with that whole movement with, like, Lars von Trier, so I didn't know if, like, that's how he got connected to him somehow in, in like, that sort of weird connection. Like, did he know him previously? And he was like, hey, um am like, this guy I, I met's making a movie, and I'm, like, very loosely attached to it. I don't know how else he's really attached to it. Is
1: is this his second feature, so he had gummo under his belt? Yeah, yeah I believe...
0: I believe it went, he wrote Kids, and then he directed Gummo, and then this one. So this is like his third, third, but like second directing.
1: Yeah, Kids doesn't count anymore. Because of the AIDS? Of <laughs> AIDS. No, because of the
0: AIDS. He he's, he's not the director. I. He's not the director of
1: it. Crossed him out of that one.
0: Yeah. I always thought he was the director until a couple weeks ago. For those of you who don't know what this is, this is a film about a schizophrenic man Who? Here's my question. We can go into this, but like he's schizophrenic, but is he also mentally delayed?
1: I would say he's more mentally challenged than he is Uh, schizophrenic. I I wondered when
2: it when it like used like that's in the that's in the description. Like that, that that was the description when I googled the film was was schizophrenic uh man julian but yeah nothing in the film specifically pointed like most times when someone's schizophrenic you get more like the beautiful mind like they see and hear things but it doesn't ever that never really comes into it it does feel more like he's he's maybe that's just his portrayal that he that he didn't get it right that he was playing more of like an autistic person than he was a, a <laughs> he, schizophrenic he so i was. don't know yeah i, I genuinely question like did he just not know like did the actor ewan bremer just not know and not like research into it and was just like he kind of just because he plays it very much as as someone yeah that's like autistic or has just like a more of a more of a general learning disability than schizophrenia like he doesn't necessarily seem crazy he just seems like he doesn't fully understand things like he has more of a child's sense of the world
1: I I was gonna say maybe he was just intimidated by Warner Herzog (laughs) that he was just confused about what type of movie he was in
0: right well, it's just, a, it's just a mentally delayed guy who gets his sister pregnant. That's basically the whole plot of the film. Like, there's stuff going on in between it, but that's really the meat of it, is that it's this mentally delayed guy got his sister pregnant. And the, the mom's dead, <laughs> so the dad keeps watching this figure skating footage, which is the mother at her peak as a skater. So he has this idea of, like, all of his kids need to perform at this heightened level but none of them are able to perform at any heightened level because this whole family I know. Cr- seems to suffer Chris from... to
1: be doing
2: pretty good. He took that trash all... can down, like, bro
0: <laughs> They all seem sort Every, of Everything with him was funny.
2: When yeah, everything wrestled, with Chris he... was, like, funny. His training routine. What's of, like, your wrestling name, Chris? Himself, no, it can't be Chris. That's the stairs. The
0: stairs. I feel like this is an example of a bunch of mentally delayed people all living together and feel- feeling that the mental illness is normal. And that Chris is the only one in the family who's not mentally delayed. But because he's the only one in that environment, he's forced to live in this environment. Which people who are forced to live in environments that are mentally ill eventually start developing, like, the mental illness themselves. And so he's developing a lot of, like, weird quirks by being forced to live in that environment. But he's not really like them. It's a very unusual film. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I mean, like, everything I go back to were, like, these little moments that I enjoyed. I enjoyed when he's at the ice rink with that little kid, Randy. Oh, my God. he's trying so to sell an ice skate. <laughs> and the kid's like, I don't want The flip-flop uh, ice skates? Nice sandal. Yeah. yeah. He's like, he's like I, I can make right that myself, that. but I, I don't want that.
2: <laughs> uh, like, when he was at the enjoyed ch- the albino church. from Alabama.
1: Oh, yeah, that was good. He only the had one albino rhyme, from but Alabama. it was good. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that. So that's. I thought I imagined that scene, and I was like, I feel like one time in my life I saw a black albino guy rap, and I don't remember where I saw this. And then I start watching this movie, and I'm like,
1: Oh, the so, guy with no arms. And they're like, Well, we know we didn't oh, have yeah. up your sleeves, but you definitely had that card somewhere else. <laughs> did you expect the magician did, drummer? <laughs> yeah,
0: I think that the thing about this is that you'd never expect what's going to come next in this film. Like, it makes
1: me think of like how Clint Eastwood <laughs> used to do pretty normal-looking people in his movies. And actually, it's kind of funny because Dirty Harry's brought up in this movie randomly by Warner Herzog. But yeah, he would cast like normal-looking people. Probably got it from Leone for casting pretty normal-looking people. There were only a few scary people in this that I worried about. But I mean, for the most part, uh, the family was all right.
0: Why do you think... This is one thing I found confusing in it. Why do you think he hangs out with blind people, and do you think they're blind or that they're blind and mentally delayed and that's why he's with them
1: so the photography was kind of grainy, and I wasn't I did not know that that girl was blind ish until <laughs> she started talking about it uh like the first scene that I remember her in is the one where he's washing her feet, yeah, and they're having that uh weird conversation. I think the character hang out. Hung out with a blind person because Kareen was looking for unique and interesting people
0: to litter his film with. That's fair. There's very little structure to the meat of the story itself. It really is just focused on these like moving to these very long scenes of like watching them bowl for like 15 minutes, watching them like hang out in the center and rap together, hang out and what have you and then all of a sudden it's like he go back to Werner Herzog chugging <laughs> chugging cough syrup out of a sandal and like losing his mind about his wife's death
1: i like him spraying chris with the water hose and what i'm assuming is the public teaching and- him to
0: be a man
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah don't shiver you will You're be a man.
0: man don't shiver never shiver men don't shiver He's got that like Tommy Wiseau, like monotone Tommy Wiseau way of talking. Just he has like, a very
1: soothing voice. I think yeah. just
0: anything he says sounds <laughs> nice. He's one of the best documentary filmmakers I've ever seen. He's probably one of the most brilliant filmmakers I've ever seen. So it's really, uh, once again, interesting to watch him dancing around in his underpants and so like, of, like a television.
1: <laughs> uh, he is one of the directors that Chuck brought up and I thought Chuck might pick for his... Uh... For another month of he might, but it's not yeah, within the next one day. three. I also thought it was interesting that they had that uh Chloe Savini was playing uh singing Everlasting Love, which was the song that they used in True Grit. So it's like we still have that connect, <laughs> we're, we're still finding connections with the all these directors.
0: She's in most of his films. I don't know if you're aware of that or not, especially his early ones. Yeah, works. I think she's she's wish- one of his like players for sure, like she's in everything. And actually, she's kind of—he started Rosario Dawson's career too in a lot of ways because they they put her in kids.
1: Uh, Savigny was uh, or S- Savigny or something. It's not really Savigny. I can't. It's like a Steve Busimi uh, thing. I, I like. Yeah. She has a correct way of pronouncing her name, and it's not Vigny. She started young. I think she's still like a teenager in this. Yeah. And that's kind of where her career took off. She's in. Ah, shit. Who did The Last Days of Disco? I think that's a little bit later, and I'm trying to remember that director. Wit Stillman. She's in a couple of his films, but I feel like Corrine had, had her first. Uh, She's almost unrecognized. Actually, almost anybody, the two people in this that I would recognize, her and Herzog, it's kind of like, I want to say difficult to tell who is who. Like, Werner Herzog's voice like gave him away before his before I could actually see him.
0: I think the experimentation of different sort of filming styles in this movie is incredibly intriguing. Like um, using photograph stills to tell chunks of the story. Like when they're telling about how the sister and him like had sex that night, it's all just done with photographic stills real quick. I think that's really good. And I like how it'll start the scene with the photographic stills like they're at the bowling alley and it starts out with like photos and photos and photos and then it finally cuts to like someone physically throwing a ball down the lane and then you just get like a wide shot and it just kind of allows you to take in like the entire scenario and the scene that's going on with these like disjointed washed out colors that never really match the reality of it they give everything this like horrible look Like it's kind of hard to look at everything in a lot of ways because the colors are so unusual and strange. Like it's very orange and very blue and it gets like very white when it gets hot in spots like that. But then it feels like, I think he's utilizing different types of film stocks too. So like, I think he's like jumping around. So some shots will look completely different the way they're shot. And then other ones will have this movie. I saw this movie. I know this movie came out before it, but I saw this and pie at the same time. There was this video store, in my hometown that was like this really it was in halifax and it was this really unusual video store that had like nothing but like art films and like it was fantastic so i found this movie finally for rent there and i got this and then i saw pie at the same time and pie utilizes a lot of those camera shots where they put the camera on that that camera around the, the person's waist you know what i'm talking about and then they just like it's almost like on like a light bendy like thing and they just bend it up into the person's face and they have them walk and so you get those like shots where you're down low looking up at the person's chin and you have mostly the sky and you're shot throughout the films and it's always them like walking through alleys or walking through whatever this movie uses a lot of like the julian character walking through the woods with one of those kind of like steady cams on and It's such an unusual style, and it was weird to see like two films back to back, like utilizing this the way that they did. Because you don't see it used too often, other than like in art films and stuff like that. But it's a really cool shot.
1: I am seeing that the movie wasn't shot on film at all, it was all shot on video. It was transferred to uh, 8mm, and then it was blown up to 35mm, which is probably why it's not like an amazing looking movie, but. It still has a pretty interesting cinematography to it. I, th- I feel like that kind of raw feeling fits this film pretty well.
0: It makes you feel uncomfortable visually while you're watching. I never it. felt
1: uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> it's meant to convey that feeling that disjointed, like the bad angles, the bad like cinematography. It's supposed to like give you that feeling of like disconnect from the the environments that you're in. And all the sets have, like, nothing in them. Like, they're just, like, empty rooms. And
1: I still wouldn't call it bad cinematography, though. I mean... I
0: don't think it's bad. I, th- I think it's supposed to... Bad is, like, the word... Like, when I talk about my art being bad, it's not really bad. It's supposed to be lowbrow. So I think it's supposed to have a low-tech quality, I guess would be a better word for it. To have a low-tech right. washed out. It's pretty fitting to to the movie itself. Yeah. It makes you kind of sick sometimes, too. Which the story also does.
1: I mean, the only thing I would say is um, it definitely seems like Kareem, his filmmaking style, he didn't grow up traditionally on film, it seems. He was in that uh, skater era that you were talking about, where when they hit the 90s, the skate park, skate competitions were becoming less popular, and these street videos that people were making were becoming more popular. Right. And you know, he's look like, it's kind of like a short form. I wouldn't even call it a short film because he's just trying to cut together, like, a reel of sick tricks and shit like that on the streets. And I definitely can see that feel in this movie. But, like, I think some the, some of the things that kind of hurt him a little bit are, like, th- I got into the movie when Werner Herzog showed up, which wasn't long. But that first shot scene in the woods with the turtle, I'm like... I am having a hard time even knowing what is happening because it is so dark. It's like, okay, there's two people there. Right. Um, pretty sure he murdered that kid but i'm not yeah. quite, quite yeah, sure i was gonna
0: ask that too i was like do you think he murdered that kid because i'm positive he killed that kid i'm pretty sure he murdered a kid
1: and
2: i thought that's uh, where the story was going i was like i was like is this gonna be a movie where like this disturbed guy like keeps killing people like accidentally or something like that right i don't think he killed the turtle either he like the turtle is yeah, fine he i feel a, like he that killed child. that kid it 100 <laughs> seems to be implied that he killed that kid in
0: the yeah. woods yeah I thought he killed the kid in the woods, and I was like, "I guess we're just ignoring this." Maybe that's one of his
1: personalities or something. Yeah, uh, that's that's what oh, I he's thought, schizophrenic. I thought sorry, that, maybe it's yeah. one of the voices.
2: That's where I thought the movie was going. I was like, I was like, "Oh, is this is this movie just going to be he keeps like accidentally killing people because he's just like because he's supposed to be so disturbed that he just doesn't realize he's doing it or something?" He he doesn't kill the blind girl, does he? No, but I don't I mean, think yeah. so.
0: Cause I was under the impression too, like you said, like I thought it was leading up to that he's going to end up killing this blind
2: girl or doing something to her like accidentally.
0: Cause their, their interactions were so strange. They had like yeah. the weirdest interactions.
2: That's any interaction with like an adult person ha- that hangs out with a kid a little bit, uh, a little bit too much. Maybe this just like, I don't know. Something seems off about every time he's with that kid.
1: I felt like he was always with kids though. It was very rare that he was with any adults. Uh, I did like the moment too, where, uh, his sister was trying to buy clothes from that like thrift store, and that yeah. woman's like, "Hopefully it's a boy." And she's like, "Oh, that seems sexist." <laughs>
0: that conversation was so funny, and you could tell that in that scene, that probably really happened. Like that seemed like a real and genuine conversation that didn't seem like acting.
2: There's a I feel lot like... of this film that I can't tell if it's it like right where, where the where the script starts Uh, i don't think it is and the and the acting starts or where it's just actually him just filming random stuff on the street like i I get
1: the feeling that most of the characters besides the main characters they're the only actors
2: right
0: that's what i was gonna say
1: and i definitely feel like they like they set up the camera like in the church and i felt like all those people were genuine (laughs) except for julian
0: what have you guys? Have you guys seen this movie before? This is your first time seeing this one. No,
1: this is the first time that I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. He he. The, he he doesn't just like kid that kill that kid. He like buries the body in mud. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely murders him.
0: And then he goes bowling.
2: <laughs> well, what else um, are you supposed to do after you kill a kid?
0: What did you actually think of this? Like, is this anything like you're used to covering on here? Or we haven't
1: covered this type of movie very often. I think it fits more into like the experimental side of things, which is fine because it's not a conventional story. But that's the thing with the podcast. We can cover a great range of movies. And I don't feel that our, even though we are cinema demore, we're not a highbrow podcast. We've done pretty low-brow subjects before. I feel like Corrine is a good filmmaker. I don't know... I, I don't know if it happened yet at this point. Uh, I feel like he's learning. This is him. This is, like, would be somebody's student film or something that he had Warner Herzog in.
0: But, like, when you watch something like this, and I don't, I don't know if you've seen Gummo or not. Yeah, and...
1: Gummo's a Gummo is strange, too. Like, I can see... How I do, can... you, how do you
0: get from, like, this, which is, like, what I'm used to watching from him? Even Trash Humpers, which, like... Trash Jumpers is just as weird as this. It's like, how do you get from this to Spring Breakers? That's kind of like, I mean, we're going to be covering both of his like later films. His later two films, like Spring Breakers and Beach Bum, that's all his Florida shit. Like, I don't understand how he went from that to clean cut, stylized like, you know, Hollywood films. Like they, they look like a typical film, whereas I've never looked at Harmony Corrin's films and said this looks like a typical film. He's always had this disjointed, unusual camera style, experimental shots, experimental like settings and stuff like that. And for me, this is the kind of filmmaking I actually seek out and want to watch more than anything else. Like I would way rather watch his kind of films, especially his early work, than, like anything being put out today i just watched the batman and it was good but i fell asleep like two times in it because it just wasn't holding my attention whereas this movie like held my attention throughout the entire thing and it's not that you know that's not a fair comparison but like i find myself much more interested in something that is atypical than something that people just are used to watching and used to seeing I like to see experimentation. I like to see varieties of different things. I like to see, like, really tragic, weird stories. (laughs) So...
1: Um, (laughs) It is a tragedy, I would say, overall. But it was also borderline comedy to me. Like, the, the move of, like, your balance on the cup to get the cigarette. Uh, with between uh, father and son, Chris, and he like falls over and he gets a cigarette and he's like, you failed. You didn't get the, you, he's like, I got the cigarette, dad. He's like, yeah, but you're not supposed to fall. The whole thing is balance. Uh, Also, now that I'm talking about cigarettes, that like five minute scene of the guy with um, his cigarette trick um <laughs> i doubt that that guy is alive anymore <laughs> like because yeah, he smoked like a pack and then ate him but like he seems like a guy that thought he was way cooler than he
0: actually was so that guy's legit <laughs> and i've seen him perform that trick on like guinness i've seen him perform that trick on one of those like you know oh shows. I, kn- I, I know i've seen that guy before like, that guy's That guy's like a real cigarette eater. He made his whole career on doing that shit. You're probably right. He's probably completely dead now. I love how the one blind guy's like, this is a great show to sh- for fucking blind people. <laughs>
1: hey, I do want to tell you something, though. I am seeing here, accidentally, from your old podcast, you brought it up a
0: lot, Roger Ebert liked this movie. That's fantastic, really. That's so funny.
1: He said the film adds up to something unlike a
2: lot of movies. I mean, mean, that's a true statement. It does uh, not like a lot of movies.
0: (laughs) I mean, the ending is tragic when they're like skating and then she starts to like sort of miscarry on the ice.
1: Yeah, like that's another moment where I feel like she fell
0: and did that scene, and nobody there knew what was going on. They were all like, why is this woman just on the ice screaming? And they're just right. like, okay.
1: Even that moment where she's like, they look like they can skate pretty well. And they're like, yeah, I feel like those were real people too.
2: Yeah, just pass that kid off onto them.
0: Yep. That was so funny. They're like, okay, she's blind. Well, I think she was actually blind. I think she was a real yeah. blind girl. I That's why everybody was so good. Blind. They weren't acting. They were, yeah,
2: they, they were all real.
0: That I, guy he, without arms really didn't have arms. That guy was a sick
2: drummer. I that do guy like though where you're he like could really he could drum the... better with no arms and just two feet than I could with two legs and two arms. Like I was like, man, I mean, that guy's you guys good.
0: Been <laughs> played drums for years. I'm like, this guy's sick. I'm like, I can't play that good. It's crazy. And that, like there are. I mean, so I don't many... need
1: conventional. I. I'm interested in in everything. Like, am I... I didn't think that this movie was, like, offensive. I didn't find it offensive. Um, I think I de- if you want to, you can. Probably, but I found it as something where it was somebody that is... It definitely feels like somebody who's learning. And uh, I don't think that he became a traditional filmmaker. I mean, I didn't see his last movie yet, but even spring breakers which we'll talk about next it's not very traditional at all like the story, the way the story is told is not
0: no not at all i i i i like i like that i feel like harmony Corrin, like wanted to go out and document this community of people that he's like been around like this like small community with a bunch of blind people and like their church and all this kind of stuff But then he also had this story and it's like, you said like all the shots out in the community are all just real with these actors. But then like, as soon as you go into the house, the house is where the film continues. So like the film portion of the, like the story portion of the film is inside the house. But as soon as they leave the house, it's just slice of life stuff in the community with these people. And it's a really unusual juxtaposition when you go back into the house because the community is so free and normal. And it's just people living their lives and, like, doing their thing. And the house that they live in is, like, so fucked up. Like, Werner Hort, like, you're, like – it's funny and it's, like, it is funny to some extent. But also, like, the abuse that Werner Herzog is putting forward to these people, like, they cannot function because this guy will not stop standing over them and just like saying, Oh, you're wrong. This is wrong. And he never shuts the fuck up. He's always talking and he's got that droning voice and he's just going and going and going and going. And he's creating an endless madness in all of these people's heads, which are already two of them are for sure suffering some sort of madness already. And so it's not like when he's yelling at the kid that Julian to stop having one of his manic episodes and he's just like, and you can see Julian's face while he's trying desperately to comply with this father figure who he's terrified of and terrified of upsetting, but also like his body is physically trying to have a manic episode at the table and he can't control it. It's like, this is the worst environment for these people to be in. I was like, you know, you know that wrestling kid is going to get out of this situation and he's just never going to look back. He's just going to have bitter resentment the rest of his life because of like having to grow up in that environment.
1: I mean, I don't know. We didn't get Julian Donkey Boy 2, so maybe he's still really close to the family.
0: Could you make a
1: sequel to this? Uh, yeah, you can make a sequel to anything. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Chuck has I, so little to I, say. I, on mean, this I think one. it you would. Could, you could. It would just be called you.
1: Chris. I think. Just the movie would just mm-hmm. be called <laughs> Chris.
0: <laughs> I love when the they have the stillborn and they're going to throw it out in the hospital, and he like goes downstairs and he's like, "It's my baby. Can I have it?" And the lady's like so scared of him. She's like, "Sure," and just hands the baby to him. And then he just like runs home with it. And they do that really great shot where he's under the sheet and they use the like night vision camera of him just underneath the sheet. And it's like that washed out white shot with his eyes like wide open while he's holding the dead baby and just like panting for like five minutes solid because he's unable to process the reality of what's occurred in front of him. Like he's just like, okay. He
1: just got the scurped that day and he's like, what? (laughs) They're like, you're under this blanket with a dead baby, huh? It's yours. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it also is a harder film to discuss because you're really not breaking down plot too much. You're bro- breaking down character moments, which is fine. It doesn't make it any any less of a film. What is the plot? Uh, A, a guy that is mentally disturbed who's about to become a father. To a dead baby, I don't. I don't know. Because <laughs> it's, it's like, a, it's like the day in the life. It's it's like a day in the life type of uh, movie. Makes me think of like Slacker. It's just a bunch of situations that kind of like builds up. For this movie, as opposed to Slacker, which is a community. This is a film about this family, and kind of like emotionally what they're going through. So it, it is one of those – it's not just experimental in the, in that sense, but it's just a film that is letting you live in the moment with these strange but I would almost say str- kind of typical family. Like, I mean, they're very absurd, but, you know, I've se- I've been close to some pretty white trash families, and I-, I wouldn't say they're that far off from what I'm seeing in this movie. Yeah. <laughs>
0: They do seem to live in a black community. I guess so. Because all the places they go tend to be like an African-American church. There's a lot of African-Americans in their blind groups. There's the black albino. Straight from Alabama.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when he started uh, rapping, I was like, I like this. But then he just kept saying the same thing again and again and again. (laughs)
0: I was like watching that scene, and I was like, I bet you anything that Corin did not expect it to go that way. And he was like, just keep filming. Just keep fucking going. Like, don't stop.
2: That guy's I like, hope he knew that
1: he, he got that black albino, but didn't know he was
0: a rapper. Right? Do you think film like this is still being made today?
1: Oh, absolutely. And now, is it? Is it popular? Is it getting out there? It's like uh, any of the things today like this, they're probably not premiering at the Venice Film Festival like this did. It's probably popping up on Netflix and they poorly paid the filmmakers. And are people watching them? Possibly, but maybe not. They're, you know, it's these streaming services that are looking for content and I, I guarantee you that, I mean, but they're being told by a slightly different generation they're, The latest filmmakers kind of grew up with GoPros and YouTube and stuff like that. So Yeah. uh, I feel like a lot of filmmakers now, I'm going to call them filmmakers still. I'm going to say the younger generation is more focused on an outside world as opposed to something like this movie where he's clearly influenced by what he's grown up with and it's like the things that he sees where he's from. Uh, Maybe he focuses more on the strange, but it's definitely, like, his community, and he's trying to tell, like, he's trying to tell a story about these people. Kind of like Rob Zombie's uh, redneck, you know, trashy people, too, I guess, where it's like, uh, you know, I'm going to tell stories about these types of people. We don't get enough of these
0: types. That's a very good kind of point that I was also thinking about. I was like, it's kind of like watching the family from Texas Chainsaw. But eliminating them killing people and eliminating people-ness, though. Well, okay, the <laughs> the kid the kid at the start, but I mean like eliminating that feral meat eating, like cannibalistic desire and just showing the mentally ill side of one of those kind of families. There is a lot of like that kind of feeling from this movie. It's like just take all that stuff away that the 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 violence and the gore and the whatever and you just you just get the family and you're like this is kind of where you're at same with gummo which is you know once again another yeah. film about you know white trash middle america like small town kind of thing and they're the kids day-to-day lives and what they do for fun in their small town he has a lot of focus on like mentally ill kids in a lot of his early works because even like even though like we said he didn't direct kids he still wrote that and all those kids in that movie
2: are mentally ill too
1: oh they're just kids
2: (laughs) oh no they all seem pretty normal to me just harassing people and uh you know spreading stealing liquor and shit i have no
0: legs i have no legs Does nobody have anything to say about this movie?
1: <laughs> I feel like I've said a lot. I just said it's harder to, it's harder to break
2: down. Yeah, I'm still processing this film. I don't know I might <laughs> be might be ready to ready to talk about it in six months. What? Still, still thinking about it. Would you revisit Did- it? Do you think to <laughs> digest it again? Uh, maybe, maybe just to, yeah. Try to try to get into it some more. It's definitely. I don't know. It's definitely a, it's definitely an odd one. Uh, yeah, that's that's where like I kept I kept watching it, and like everything that kept happening, I was like, I don't know how to talk about this. Like, this <laughs> even as I'm watching it, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know how to I don't know how to go about this. This is this is a a weird one for me. Uh, cause, but yeah, I you know I like some weird movies. They don't always have to be you know Marvel and you know the big action films but this is definitely I almost feel it's the same you, you kind of mentioned it Justin I do feel like it's in, in my case like what I came away with it is uh, not for me at least not all the parts added up to a whole that was like fully formed like it, it was a lot of like those small moments and all those individual moments I was like oh that was a good moment but then it'd be like 10 minutes of bowling and I'd be like that was an okay moment and then it'd be back to like that Warner was Hertzog. a moment yeah no, that, was, <laughs> that was the moment uh, and it's like back to like back to werner herzog like doing something with chris or something and i'm like oh this is like this is an interesting part and then we get another like uh you know i don't know five minutes of something else going on or watching some figure skating footage or something so it's like it just kept like it kept taking me in and out of the parts that, that i was, was interested in that and, was the dead and, wife yeah, and it it was just, it just yeah, just kept pulling me in and out of. I'd get interested, and then it would immediately like he like the directors like, I, I don't think you wanna, I don't want they want to show you that. Like I'm gonna show you this instead, <laughs> and then it's like, all right, man. And then you watch that for five minutes, and you're like, oh, we're back to we're back to what I wanted to watch. And then he's like, you know what? I don't think you deserve it, so I'm taking it away again, and <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna watch I, this I, this stuff.
0: I do think his... Because the format of what you're talking about is also the format of Gummo. But I think it works better in Gummo in that regard because it's kids, and kids just do disjointed things naturally. So they'll go out, they'll have a disjointed scene, and then they'll just run off and do something else. And then it'll be like the kid in the tub eating spaghetti, and then he'll just get on his bike and ride somewhere with a cat. And it's like... How everybody should
1: be eating spaghetti.
0: Right. (laughs) So it's just one of those... like slice of life, again, moments where you're just going around and you're following specifically a collective of kids. This one, it's got a story about a schizophrenic, mentally ill guy who impregnated his sister and lives at home with this very strange father. And so there is a focal story, but the focal story gets so pulled away from constantly because he's got so many of these... Scenes of like the bowling and like him interacting with the blind guys, him going to the church, him interacting with the community in the thrift shop. And I think that, you know, he was so enamored with all of these very real scenes. Like you said, like they don't seem like they're actors. They all seem like they're what have yous that it does pull from the story. But like, I think it works really well. I think the narrative structure is really there. I think having those moments of separation are also meant to give you a feeling of the schizophrenia that our character feels. Because remember that you're supposed to kind of feel what the main character feels, and the main character is like mentally ill, hangs out with blind people, and is schizophrenic. So this is a very hard-to-look-at movie full of very disjointed scenarios that don't really like connect necessarily. And then it stops abruptly and I think it's actually I think it's a brilliant <laughs> have you ever like
2: good I was about to say uh speaking of schizophrenia and it's what I thought when I was watching this film uh have you ever watched the video that's like the the schizophrenia simulator no oh I mean you, <laughs> I c- need to you see can see that if you want it's not it's maybe one of the more upsetting videos I've ever watched it's not good it'll it it gave me uh, like it gave me anxiety watching it because it's it's and apparently it's it is actual like a like a training tool that they was like made by psychologists and and scientists to give you like an idea and it's it's very off putting it's from a it it's a POV style too so it's all from a person's point of view and it's like he wakes up in the morning and like goes in to watch TV and the guy on the newscast like oh, it's going to rain at five o'clock. And by the way, you're a horrible person and you should probably just go kill yourself. And it's like, what? And then it's like somebody's knocking at the door and the the guy that's like your point of view is like, I didn't call anyone to come talk to me today. And it's just the most off-putting. He like goes to sleep and then wakes up five hours later and everything's dark. It is... It's a very off-putting video. Though, uh, that I think
1: you, we should uh, discuss this movie you, on the
2: podcast. You might want to, but, like, every time... Like, when, when he was talking about, like, having schizophrenia, it, like, it kept making me think of that video. And it's it's on YouTube. You can go watch it. But it's... I don't know. I, 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 it's not something I would specifically recommend, but it's... Oh, uh, you did. Uh, yeah, I, I, I pointed it out. Specifically. I pointed <laughs> you, it you out You named exactly what but, it was. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's not the... Uh, It's not good, but you know, I feel like maybe, maybe everyone should go go give that a shot. Maybe you'll maybe if you think it's normal, you'll be like, hold on a second, do I actually have that? Because I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that's just how my day normally goes. Right, and I would say that the style of jumping around
1: is partially he ended up getting these good moments that he wanted to incorporate into the film, regardless of if it had anything to do with the family. But then the fact that it doesn't follow just Julian makes me feel like that sort of like mental illness is with all of them because
0: I mean, yeah, that family suffers from a mental illness for sure. The whole family is suffering from something
1: because we get that style the whole time. It doesn't just follow him. I think it would maybe be more interesting if it focused on just him and what he was going through. I think, and too, though, like, there.
0: he also does a good job of conveying, like, when he does show the different people, I feel like he does kind of show what their individualized mental illnesses are. Like, um, the way that he sh- shot Chris when he was doing the wrestling stuff. Chris, I fully believe Chris is the only one in the family who's not suffering from some mental illness. But, but he is being, suffering. But he's suffering from whatever so he's frustrated he can't he can't he can't get his words out because no one will hear him and they can't hear him because they're all so mentally ill they're not capable of hearing what he has to say and they're not going to listen to him anyway and he's still a teenager who has to grow up in this environment he's not able to leave the house yet so he's suffering in this environment so when they shoot him outside it's a lot of like quick cuts like, super quick cuts of him being angry and in these different shots and stuff like that. And then when it is a final focus shot, it's just him beating on that garbage can, trying to get all his frustrations out. And then his dad comes out and makes everything worse. And, like, when they shoot the sister, the sister has a lot of very drawn, long shots of following her, like, along wherever she's walking or, like, when she's cutting his hair. It's just, like, one single focus shot because she doesn't seem to have a whole lot going on. It's not an insult of her, but like she seems to like just kind of float through life. She's not really like paying attention to what's going on, other than when she sees her brother being hurt, and then she says like something because she's clearly in love with Julian.
1: I mean, I can see it. I can see. <laughs> I can't save you from where you're going. I don't.
0: Uh, I'm just a listener now. Where am I? Where am I going? <laughs> I don't know. I don't... It's, it's just, like... This is the kind of films that I watch. Like, when I am looking for something to watch, this is the kind of stuff that I go to, more than anything. Like, um... I have a bunch of films like this. Not necessarily, like, about mentally ill people, but, like, films that are shot in this sort of, like, experimental ways, or, like, trying different, like, camera techniques, or, like, pushing different kind of boundaries. Like... I just don't want to watch normal cinema, so this is the kind of stuff on my own time that I would way rather be picking up and I would say watching. that I'm
1: kind of in the same boat. It's not necessarily the style, but I'm constantly looking for things that are new that I've never experienced before, which it's not really new. It's old now, It's and it's usually old and foreign. It's like, give me something that I haven't seen before. And you'll find some interesting styles in, like, the 60s and 70s. And you're like, where did this go? It, like, yeah. died off. It never became popular. And it's
0: What's it really like hasn't ever been brought back. I never watched Italian film growing up. Like, I, I just didn't interest me. And but when you I watched got... watched Well, no. And then I got to, like, the last, like, five, six years ago, I started watching Giallo films and, like, Italian yeah. ho- horror films and stuff like that. And I was like, this shit is really good. Like, there's a lot of really great stuff in there. And so it's just, like, it's nice to – on the one hand, you're like, how did I ignore this my entire life? But then by ignoring stuff for so long, and then when you run out of things to watch, you have a whole thing to, like, go back and, like, appreciate and enjoy. So – on the one hand it's been really good for me to like ignore certain things growing up and then being able to go back and watch them now, especially old film. Cause when I was growing up, I was very much a kid of my generation. Like I only watched shit from like the eighties. I was like, Oh, it's old. I don't want to watch old stuff. I never liked watching old stuff. I never was into like anything that was like pretty much outside of like when I was born. And then it's like the two thousands came around and I started watching old stuff and I was like, old stuff's way better. <laughs> Because I grew up, it's like I got to that point where I started appreciating like film on a higher level and getting into all those kinds of different things.
1: I mean, I could definitely see the draw to this type of movie, and I could see it sucking people in to say, oh, this isn't conventional. This is definitely something that I didn't even think of before. Right. So in that aspect, I can I can see it like... Kind of like, but but I'm still drawn to things that aren't exactly conventional. I mean, mean, without ruining the plot, like I just saw the Northman, and it's advertised like a big Hollywood movie, but it's not told like one. No, and I feel like a lot the average person that goes in and sees that movie is like, "What the fuck did I get into?" (laughs) Like, this is definitely a movie that people would be bitching at at Hollywood Video when we work there they'd be like i was so excited to see this nicole kidman movie and was nothing like i expected
0: right i'm always pleased when i get home and it's nothing that i expected i'm like oh thank god it was something interesting something yeah as
1: long as it didn't dumb you down and if it if it can be a step ahead of me and it feels clever like actually clever because I've I've had movies with like big reveals and it's like, yeah, we figured it out in the beginning of the movie. Right.
0: <laughs> uh, I don't feel like anybody has much more to say about this film. But I think that the discussion is less about the film itself and more about the experimentation of the film and the, the experimental filmmaker that makes it kind of thing. Because I don't really think, this is such an unconventional film. it's a
1: podcast about how we feel about a movie
0: right it's all about feelings at this point i've kind of said it a billion times already but like i'd way rather watch stuff like this all day i do watch stuff like this most of the time this is like really why do you think just weird question here why do you think corin doesn't get uh uh criterions but wes anderson as soon as he shits a movie out it's immediately a a criterion like why is this film that we just watched not deserve a criterion when it's such a unique interesting film and like you said like even roger ebert who fucking hates everything like was positive about this movie like what about this doesn't deserve a criterion release I, i wouldn't say that
1: it isn't uh criterion worthy uh, knowing what I know about the licensing and stuff like that, I wouldn't be surprised if he's been on the Criterion Channel before. Just whatever, um, whatever sort of deal that uh, Wes Anderson worked out. It's that you know, within like ten years, uh, when the distribution rights go away, Criterion has dibs on picking it up. But um, I mean, it when you bring up Criterion too. A lot of this did make me think of Cassavetes. Like it, it does remind me of those, like low budget films where it's like we. Are, it has that, um, French New Wave feel of we're just working with what little we have, right? And uh, we're, stu- we're still we're still going to find a way to express ourselves.
0: It's a very I am curious blue kind of film. Just like super experimental French.
1: <laughs> yeah i mean I, it really is he just says fuck it this is how i'm gonna edit it together uh i didn't think it was too jarring though i mean i felt the same way chuck did where i was getting into something and then it 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 like pulled it away from me it felt like a bully like nah you could yeah, you can have it back nah just kidding again <laughs> but like i didn't like entirely hate it because like when I first started the movie, I thought, eh, this probably isn't for me. But then Werner Herzog came on, and <laughs> I was like, I, I could watch a whole movie of him just reading things and just going through philosophy that I'm pretty sure was in his head and not right anything
0: scripted. <laughs> yeah, it's like, how much of Herzog's stuff is scripted?
1: No, even a few times it sounded like he didn't even know what he was talking about, that he was just, like, rambling Yeah, I mean, I would definitely check it out, though, if you can find it. Do you think uh, after... I
0: do. I, I, I know you've, see, you've seen Spring Breakers, correct? Like,
1: Yeah, the only other okay. ones I have seen were Gummo, Spring Breakers, and Kids before I knew it wasn't him, exactly.
0: So I, I, my question is, instead of... We're going to talk about those two movies later on, but like, do you think he's ever going to revert back to this style because like i brought up pie as well like i don't think darren aronofsky's ever gonna make a movie like pie ever again he's like at I mean, such a high level of filmmaking now that i just can't see him going back to that i
1: mean aronofsky it kind of was high level to begin with he, he came out of like nyu he yeah he was like interested in film and film processing i i think that kareen's more interested in the story and his directing is okay so i think his style is going to st- stick around but i don't think he's going to shoot most of his stuff so i think you're gonna kind of get into he might get a different type of style uh but he could possibly go back to that kind of that way of editing that disjointed way of editing uh it's not going to be the same but i don't think he's completely left it in the dust
0: I think color is important to him in his films. Like each one of his films has like a very distinct color scheme. Like this one, like gummo's got like a lot of green, a lot of like blue, a lot of like yellow. This one's like very yellow and red and use a lot of harsh colors. And then when he gets into like spring breakers and beach, like bump, neon. Uses, yeah. It's like neon, but it's like, what it is is Miami colors. Cause it's like, that's when he just gets obsessed with Florida at that point. He just starts making Florida movies which I think that came from when that guy did that movie Bully. Because I think he worked a bit with him or helped write that or something like that. So, Bully is a great movie if you've ever seen that one. About He's the kids. Florida
1: in, people. For, that's a real
0: story. That really happened. So, that's one thing about, like I said, though, with Corin, though, is that all of his stuff is kind of like grounded in reality. Whereas Aronofsky always has fantastical elements to his works in some way. I think they're similar filmmakers. That's why I keep bringing it up. I'm like, I see a lot of crossover with their styles. I just think one's up here and the other one's like, kind of like, I don't need to get out of the gutter. I'm okay down here. I, I, <laughs> I like, like my it gutter. In the gutter.
1: I'm not leaving. Yeah.
0: That's fine. I got man.
1: Matthew McConaughey. I'm gonna be okay. You're right. And then Aronofsky's like, "Well, I got Brandon Fraser so take that."
0: I can't wait to see that. That's gonna be so good. I fully believe that's gonna be Brandon Fraser's uh, Academy Award.
1: Uh, not the, not Batgirl. No,
0: no, no. <laughs> I. I guess, I guess I got nothing else to say. We're just kind of rambling at this point.
1: Uh, with the magic of editing, we could take out anything awkward.
2: Chuck, you got anything else to say about this one? Uh, I mean, I pretty much... I don't think I've ever said for anyone not to watch a movie. Because I don't know. It could be anyone's type of movie. so <laughs> Like I, I, I would I would recommend people to go watch it and it's like that's what I say is like make up your own mind uh, you don't need us to tell you what you should like that's pretty much that's pretty much my feeling is is it it wasn't my kind of movie but it's certainly it's certainly yours and I it's obviously somebody else's because he's not like you said he's he's not maybe not the biggest name out there but like he's not a complete nobody like I, I feel like people. People definitely know him like he he has he a name out there and probably got bigger because of, you know, something like Spring Breakers or something where more people heard of uh, heard of who he was. He started working with bigger actors. But you know. I don't know
1: how you're going to feel about that movie, but I think you're going to like it more than this one. I mean, it's yeah, got,
2: it's got uh, James Franco. So, you know, yeah, it's the, it's
1: James Franco F- Franco's really good at in it. In. He's the Warner Herzog of the new one. Yeah, <laughs> Spring Frank... Break, y'all. Spring Break forever. <laughs> it's like I, uh, you'll hear that in your sleep after watching that movie.
0: I remember the Spring Breakers came out, and he had Selena Gomez in it, and I just like my brain fucking snapped because I'm like, oh my god, Selena Gomez is in a fucking Harmony Corin movie. I'm like, I have got <laughs> to see this because as as you realize now. This was what I was used to. I'm like, what the fuck could she possibly be doing in one of his movies because all I knew up to this point was like this sort of like art project way out there like experimental film style experimental everything like always dealing with white trash which spring breakers is once again dealing with white trash like don't get me wrong it goes right back into that world he just does a really good job of like capturing that miami trash lifestyle he understands the my like growing up in florida like there's a very distinct like culture of like the poor and like the white trash kind of people that exist down there. And he was very good at capturing it.
1: Uh, and I th- and we'll get into it too, but I'm pretty sure one of the spring breakers is his wife.
0: Huh. That's yeah. interesting.
1: I can tell you it's not Selena Gomez or Vanessa Hud- Hudgens. It's one of the two that I don't know. <laughs> That's it's not James Franco. I mean, it could be Alien. <laughs> he is a character that I think you'll remember for a long time, Chuck. Uh, but I don't. Yeah, I'm still interested in the, your total critique of the movie.
0: Would you watch this again, Chuck? Yeah, he's probably. already
1: asked this. Yeah, he. Yeah, we did ask this earlier. I said, "Would you watch it again? Would you digest it again?" And it was like, e- "Yeah, I guess." <laughs> <laughs>
0: Would you would you basically watch anything again though? Like at least nope. Chuck no.
1: Chuck's Mm-mm. has said before
2: he would never watch things again. So
1: no, that's fair. There,
2: there's some stuff that I wouldn't. Yeah, that's that's uh, like I said. This this isn't on. Yeah, this isn't on my list of like. Oh no, that's that's garbage to me forever. Like I will never sit down <laughs> and watch that again. So it's not it's not on that. It's just one of those ones that it just sits there as that weird movie that'll probably just be. Yeah, I've seen that one time. I'm okay with that.
0: There, like there's maybe, a docu- maybe one day I'll get it. I own a documentary from Troma. I think it's called Georgetown or Jonestown, something like that. And Two it's different about, places. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's about a mentally disabled guy who like works at this store, and it's a bunch of people who just documented this mentally disabled guy. It has a very similar feel to this movie, and like, it's all shot on like a handy cam and whatever. And I was always surprised that it was put out by Trauma because it's like a documentary. But I guess it falls under their branches. It's like, maybe one day I can find a way to bring that one into the <laughs> mix too. And then we can really have a treat.
1: I'm not against any suggestions. I don't think Chuck is either. We'll
2: watch anything.
0: We do. You gonna, you want to take us out there, Justin? I don't, I don't know your end credits. I don't know how to end your, your stuff for you.
1: Uh, I just uh, say normally that we are Cinema Demore. Thank you for listening. Uh, we're on Twitter at Cinema Demore and slash Cinema Demore on Facebook. On Twitter, I'm at JJ Morgan 19. Chuck.
2: chuckbin 66.
0: Lexi, where can we find you? I am on Instagram at Polly underscore Esther, and you can also look at my art on Iconoclast. I-C-O-N-O-K-L-A-S-T.
1: And that's how I ended an episode. Perfect. (laughs) We are Cinema De More. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with news and information on upcoming episodes. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Bodbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Pandora, Alexa, or iHeartRadio. It would be greatly appreciated if you subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We also appreciate feedback, so rate us, review us, and let us know what you think. And above all else, thank you for listening.